0: Yeah. Uh, Spiro Avenue, Detroit sports show, ay, Spiro Avenue, I'll show you how it goes, Justin Spiro, Eric Vincent, that's the team, can't ignore, and Eric used to work for 95.5 out in Detroit, Hey, no love for Andre Drummond, they gotta criticize him, shout out Jose Canseco, what up to Dennis Rodman, you looking for the realest, no holding back at all, need Spiro Avenue, yeah, that's who you should call, ay, they the greatest team. My salute ya. they criticize the game Even make fun of Greg Cooper Keep it real and keep it authentic And shout out to the Spartans Ay, Spiro Avenue, Detroit sports show Ay, Spiro Avenue, i show you how it goes Justin Spiro, Eric Vincent, that's the team, can't ignore And Eric used to work for 95.5 out in Detroit hey Spiro Avenue, make sure you tune in Woo!
1: Hi, yes. Welcome back to Spiro Avenue. I am your host, Justin Spiro, joined, as always, by my new producer, Eric Vincent. Eric, welcome back. Yes, yes. Hello. So we got a lot to cover today. I'm very excited to have one of my favorite guests from the first couple months of this program in studio. It's It's Ant Wright on Twitter, Anthony Wright. We'll be joined with him in just a moment. I want to start with this first today. It's been one of my favorite punching bags, really, since this show got started and really preceding my Twitter account. I've gone after this guy. That would be Graham, uh, Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. He is a Michigan State columnist, and let's just let's just back the things up to December 30th, 2017. So this is about a week ago now. Butler is hosting top-ranked Villanova. Butler takes a 20-point lead in the second half. Okay, and of course, typical prisoner of the moment, Graham Couch immediately hops on the Twitter and tweets the following quote. Conference road games are a bear, but what Butler is doing to Villanova would not happen to MSU or Duke. It's not that Nova's resume is better than either of those teams, either. That Nova's number one is an example of a trendy team getting votes. And once you're number one, no one takes a closer look. End quote. So it takes Graham Couch all of about seven seconds to go and shit all over villanova's number one ranking blaming the voters saying that they're getting in with the trend and they're not really paying attention to the game and he says that quote this would never happen to michigan state or duke okay that was december 30th fast forward one week january 6 2018 what happens duke is at nc state and they get absolutely dominated in a double digit loss that was not as close as it seemed NC State, that same team that had been 10-5, and 5, that had just lost by 30 to Notre Dame, that earlier this year lost at home to UNC Greensboro of something called the Southern Conference. I mean, essentially like the southern version of CMU or Eastern Michigan at that point. I mean, this is not a formidable NC State team. They bombed Duke at home, okay? That's January 6th, one week after Graham Couch's tweet saying this would never happen to Duke. Fast forward one more day, January 7th, 2018, MSU in Columbus, dominated by Ohio State in a blowout loss, down by as many as 33 points at one point. And look, OSU is better than NC State, but they were still an unranked team hosting the number one Michigan State Spartans. And frankly, OSU made Butler's victory over Villanova seem close by comparison. It's a miracle. Michigan State cut it to, I think they ended up losing by 16. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near that close. So what can you really... Take from this, well, there's two lessons. For one, if Graham Couch tweets out any strong opinion on anything, it will be disproven within seven days' time. <laughs> that is a rule. It's like gravity, Eric.
2: Death taxes and, uh, In the seven-day window.
1: In the seven-day window. In seven days, this was really like kind of pushing the envelope for him. Normally, it's (laughs) debunked within 48 hours, if not instantaneously. So that's the first lesson. Anything Graham Couch says, it's like a strong – it's something you would qualify, I guess, as a hot take. I think it's an overused phrase, but whatever. Any strong opinion from Graham Couch, give it seven days – or less that guy is the take is going to unravel okay that's lesson number one lesson number two no college basketball teams are immune to a stink bomb performance especially on the road anywhere but especially on the road and look the the takeaway from this for me and a lot of people are jumping off tall buildings like they always do graham couch is one of them they're these prisoners of the moment you have to understand that msu basketball is going to be just fine okay we're in 2018 let's look at the last three national championships okay 2017 the unc tar heels on the road in december against a terrible georgia tech team a a georgia tech team that did not make the tournament and embarrassed themselves in the nit the tar heels who ended up winning the national championship a couple months later were run off the floor in the second half in a double digit loss again on the road three months later they're the champs it just doesn't matter okay 2016 villanova they're in a neutral site game against oklahoma granted a better team than ohio state but a neutral site game against oklahoma they got bombed by 23 points four months later national champions go back one more year 2015 the duke blue devils they have a home game this isn't even on the road a home game against unranked miami this is at cameron indoor They were shellacked by 16 points. They were dominated by the Hurricanes. And the Hurricanes, they were not a good team that year. They didn't make the tournament either. So we could go on and on with these examples, just the last three years alone, where we've proven that the national champion, the eventual national champion can get bombed, and it just doesn't matter, right? I mean, am I, am I crazy
2: here? No, basketball is a its a track meet. It's a long, cross-country race. People think, oh, if you hit one little stump, little one little bump in the road, then all hell breaks loose. That's not how it goes. You treat it like pretty much in the NFL, like in the playoffs. You want to be playing your best ball towards the end of the season or in the postseason. For right now, this is nothing to be worried about. We've seen Izzo teams lose early, and then they still have a successful run when it matters most. This is nothing to sneeze or worry about. And,
1: and before the show, we were doing the research, and I had to go all the way back to 2009 with that superhuman UNC Tar Heel team to find one national champion that didn't have like one game where they just kind of stunk. I, I found Kentucky, when they won, had one loss, and I, I can't remember what the loss was, but I remember thinking it was like an 8 point or 9 point loss, but they just kind of they just kind of stunk. It was a, an ugly loss. Like and, and that was maybe the least extreme example of this concept, but like 9 out of 10 years, the eventual national champion has at least one, usually it's like two or three losses where it's not just a loss, it's like we got to burn the tape. Like right. we, they just had no game that day for whatever reason. These are college kids. I mean, even the pros have down days. College kids for sure have down days. So everyone just needs to calm down. Almost every national champion in basketball has one of these games. There's no greater narrative to glean. There's no bigger picture to assess with Michigan State's loss at Ohio State. Just burn the tape. Let it go. And you know what? I'll tell you. If this happens like two, three, or four more times where they come out and just get bombed, then then you got to be –
2: we then you can, want to be worried. Yeah, we can talk. Absolutely. Them. We can talk. You're seeing a pattern of bad behavior. That's right. when it becomes an issue.
1: Right. I, I would even say if they have one more like this, I wouldn't panic. But right. if you have like two more stink bomb games, then we can do a whole new show talking about all the issues Michigan State's going to have. In a minute, we're going to be talking to Anthony Wright. I'm curious if he disagrees, if he saw anything that he thinks is a bigger picture, uh, sort of alarm going off in East Lansing. But everyone just needs to calm down, vaporize the game film, and just get on with the season. It doesn't mean anything. The last several national champions have demonstrated that you can have a stink bomb like this, and it just doesn't matter. Absolutely. So... With that said, Graham Couch is a repeated punching bag on the show for good reason. Look, I've met Graham. I, I don't think he's a bad guy, but I don't know what, what's going on in that guy's head half the time. I mean, he says things that just make you want to, like, forget scratch your head. He makes me want to claw my scalp off uh, with with a machete. I mean, I don't know what to think when that guy's talking half the time. He's as bad as it gets on Twitter. Again, Good guy, I've met him. I like Graham as a guy, but that—that that little feed.
2: safe disclaimer. He's a great guy and all, Pro- but those takes. Woo!
1: That, that Twitter feed is. Have you ever <laughs> read this guy? I think uh,
2: he's popped up on my feed a few
1: times. Yeah. I don't know what that guy's thinking half the time. Uh, did you Did you see his take about Martin Luther King Jr. Day? He was. Oh, ma- he was mad I, that he Oh god. I'm very nervous
2: about. What, okay, please, he, please let's keep going with that. His
1: t- his take was, uh, his take was that Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Should not be a, a holiday. That it should not. Kids should not have that off. They should be made to go to school. And if you want to teach them about MLK Jr., they should be forced to learn about him. But that, like, it shouldn't be recognized as a national holiday. That was <laughs> his like actual opinion. And and Ant is just waiting for me to tag him in. So,
2: let's let's, see. see, So, Paula, part of me felt bad about, like, the slate that the dude was getting. After just hearing that, hey, you get a green light at that point, bro. Let it go.
1: Because you're the conscience of the show. Hey,
2: somebody's got to be.
1: Someone's got to temper me down a little bit. But, (laughs) I mean, we could just have an entire two-hour show on Graham Couch Bad Takes with no analysis. It would take two hours just to read them off. Indeed. So, (laughs) anyway, let's bring Ant Wright in. We'll be right back to the Avenue Podcast.
3: You are listening to the Spiro Avenue Podcast with Justin Spiro and Eric Vincent.
1: All right, let's transition to this. We are welcoming in one of our favorite guests so far on this program's short history. It is former Michigan basketball player Anthony Wright, good friend of the program. Again, that's at itsantright on Twitter. Anthony Wright, welcome back to the Spiro Avenue studio.
3: Thanks for having me, big doggy.
1: You know, it's it's a pleasure, Ant. We had so much good feedback when you were in last time with your stories about Beeline, your stories with Kevin Durant from high school. We're going to keep it a little more centrally focused today. Before we get into the questions I really wanted to talk to you about with Michigan and Michigan State coming up on this, uh, following, this upcoming Saturday, I want to uh, cover a little bit about the Graham Couch thing with you—you've had a little uh, back and forth with him on Twitter recently. You were sitting in for our earlier discussion about Graham Couch's uh, thoughts on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Just tell me, what is it with you and Graham Couch? Hey, tell, tell us a little bit about Graham.
3: I think my first my first interaction with him was uh, was back in May of 2017 when he he said something about Demetrius Cooper. Um, he ended up being charged with like assault and battery. Uh, he was out on bond. Then he violates the bond. Then Demetrius Cooper puts it on Snapchat, right? <laughs> and Graham Couch says, "Someone's after Cooper."
1: He he tweeted out, "Someone's after." Cooper? He said,
3: "Someone is after Cooper." He's like, "Someone's out to get him." I'm like, <laughs> 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 "But that's the first time I'm I'm like I'm like wait a minute time out." So he he. He gets the assault and battery charge. He gets out on bond, and then he violates it. Then he snap he snapchats him like with like a bottle, and then he, he goes. Someone's out to get him. <laughs> yeah, I my jaws on the foreman. This guy. How bad is this guy? It's wild, wild, wild stuff. Um, you know, one thing I will say, I'm pretty sure that having an an AP vote, you have to have. Tremendous responsibility. I'm not sure how you go about getting that. Uh, I'm not sure how he got one, but um, I'm sure he gets a lot of pressure every single day. And um, I'm pretty sure he is, you know, he has probably a sense of uh, arrogance about him to where he made his top 25 a few weeks ago. And even though it's been proven wrong and wrong over and over again, he's making a new top 25 based on his wrong assessments. So um, if he could just just base it on what he's seeing now, not based on what his top 25 was weeks ago, and just be like, look, I was wrong, this is how I see it now, then that's totally fine. But if you look at his week-to-week, um, everything is based off of the previous week of him being terribly wrong. It's basically doubling down. He's doubling, tripling down, quadrupling down. It's... So so he's in a bad space right now, and he's just scrapped the whole thing and do it over again.
1: That AP vote thing with him is a disaster. I actually read that uh, Graham Couch does not have MLK Junior Day in his top 25 American <laughs> holidays. I I read that they're they're unranked and they don't have any uh, any honorable mentions confirmed. Any, yeah, <laughs> yes. they're they're not. They could the ranking could go up to seventy five American holidays and that one wouldn't make the cut. So oh, man. anyway, we'll move off Graham. I mean, we could talk about Graham all day. Frankly,
3: did you guys see where? Oh, I don't think Ohio State made the top twenty five. Did
1: they not? Wow, beating the number one
3: team by thirty. I just
1: looked at it. I mean, it was 16, but it was effectively 30. I don't yeah, count that late rally.
3: I'm on the uh, Yahoo app, and it says that they're 29th based on votes. Michigan's 31 based on based on votes. So they got votes, but they didn't – I don't think they're top 25. So I'm, I'm going to need to recheck on that. But um, based on this app, it's showing me that they're 29th. That's they're
1: interesting, 25. and I, I think they'll be ranked at the end of the season for sure. I mean, that team has some talent, and I like that coach that they have from uh, Butler – So, let's talk about that game. You watched the beatdown of top-ranked Michigan State and Columbus this weekend. Did you see anything in that game that should concern fans of Tom Izzo's program, big picture?
3: No. Um, They are the best team in the Big Ten. I think they're top two in the country still. Um, I think when it comes to tournament time, I think they'll be okay. I think the one part where they need help is which I've I've been tweeting this since April of last year. Um, I think that... Uh, they need their guard play to be a lot better. They need they need Tum Tum to be a lot better. They need, um, what's the guard's name, Cassius, Cassius to be a lot better. Uh, they need to go up another level to make that push. If you can see 80 to 90% of the teams who make good runs in the NCAA tournament, it's because of their guard play. Um, Michigan doesn't make their run last year without Derek Walton Jr., um, if you look at uh, UNC, Justin Jackson and Joel Berry were amazing last year. Look at Gonzaga, um, their starting point guard was amazing last year. Look at Oregon and their run. Uh, Dylan Brooks, um, the other shooting guard, forgot his name. Uh, he was, they were really, really good last year. Um, so the guard play has to be there. It, there's, the only part that concerns me about Michigan State, is that, you know, this is, you know, I'm a Michigan guy, but I'm a huge basketball guy. I'm very, very impartial when it comes to hoops. Um, Miles Bridges is playing the three. He's playing the three. If you look at the games, he's playing the three by default. Looks like he's in the three position just because Izzo chose to put bigger, less versatile guys in at the four and the five. So he's the three by default. They don't have him in PNR with the ball handler. Um, I could tell that they don't work on that. Um, that's the whole reason of him even coming back was to be a three because that's what he wants to be at the next level in the NBA. But honestly, you know, I see him more as like a four. If he could be more like a much better offensively Draymond Green, I mean, how good could he really, really be? Uh, not everybody is a three. Uh, Miles Bridges is not a KD type where he can, you know, go coast to coast, slow down, get a pick and roll, and then make decisions out of like off of a brief trap between the big and the guard, and then attack and then go through the the different levels. Um, I don't see that. Um, I wish they had somebody on staff that can, you know, get him to utilize more PNR with him on the ball. It's but pick, pick and roll for the uninitiated. Yeah, so. uh, sorry, yeah. pick and, yeah, yeah just the pick and roll, sorry. We got sorry. it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I know you guys got okay. it. The listeners, the listeners, my yes. bad. So no, you're good. the pick and roll game, Um, but the pick and roll is not utilized in Izzo's system with the, with the uh, three-man. It's just not, unfortunately. If you look at Beeline, why do his wings succeed so much? Um, why are they picked so high in the draft? It's If you look at Stos- Stoskis, his freshman year, he's a spot-up shooter, right? Sophomore year comes around, you can see what he did all spring and summer. That was his pick-and-roll game. His pick-and-roll game got him to be a lottery pick. His pick-and-roll game got him to be the Big Ten player of the year. His pick-and-roll game got Michigan back to you know one shot from the Final Four. Um, his, the pick-and-roll game with him, Got Michigan to win the Big Ten by not one game. It was like two or three. Um, so I think that's the part that worries me is that I think Bridges is not where he's not being utilized the way that he should be. Um, but they're a dominant team. Jaron Jackson, their defense is is cr- is crazy. It's very, very good. But um, but if you want to be scared moving forward, it's cassius and tum tum. If they're not playing well, you will lose to a 15 seed. You will lose to uh, a, I don't know about you that. You lose I, to a, a seven, eight, nine. No, 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 no. Yeah. If you get the wrong matchup, I mean like I, I, against Middle Tennessee. We saw that. Yeah, yeah not scenario, long ago. No, He's like, bring this up. Look, this team you know what is what I mean? a lot better than I thought 2015
1: was. But I, they just have yeah. more NBA NBA talent. I, I don't think this team. I mean, no one's exempt. But I don't think this team's going to be the one. First of all, I think they'll be a one seed. But even if they slid to a two, they hit a rough stretch or whatever, I just don't see that. But, of course, it could happen. Look, I'm with you on Nairn especially. I I, I don't get this guy. It, it's sort of like the Travis Walton thing from a few years ago where it's like, okay, he lifts weights, and he he's like a rah-rah guy, and everyone likes him, and he's the first one in, last one out. But he's just ineffective on the floor.
3: Man, I've never seen somebody fall on three in-and-outs. Yeah, and three basic in and outs, and he. I'm like, what is wrong with your shoes, dude? Everyone,
1: everyone talks about this guy like, okay, Tum Tum Nairn's offense is bad. We all know it, but he's a lockdown defender. That is the most (laughs) overstated (laughs) commentary in Michigan State basketball history in my lifetime. That I'm not saying he's a terrible defender, but he's not like a lockdown Bruce Bowen with the Spurs. He's just not, and it's a a total fallacy to to suggest otherwise. So, I I mean, I, I. I agree with you on there. And Winston is a little shaky defensively. I think when he's locked in offensively, when he's on, that team's basically unbeatable unless yeah. they play Duke. They're always beatable when they play Duke because Coach K owns Izzo. <laughs> so I mean I want to talk a little bit about I mean what your career and, and how it relates to what happened with Michigan State. You know, you, you Michigan basketball player, you were on the giving end and receiving end of blowouts in your years there. When a, when you had a game like that, you know, Michigan State just had one. Is that one where Beeline would come in and just say we're going to burn the tape, or do you really drill down a blowout loss, for example?
3: Uh, I think Beeline is a lot different than a lot of coaches. Uh, he watches film like no other. Um, he grades, he grades players based on certain plays. So, if there's something called an F chart, you either have an A or you're an F. You have a certain amount of Fs. You run sprints. So you got to be able to close out. You got to be able to, to do the right things. Um, I think he likes the games where it's little little rocky. I don't think he likes the the games where it goes smooth and everything is nice. He makes shots. Everybody's closing out. Everybody's raw.
1: Harder to teach off that. Right. He's yeah. like, okay,
3: how do I make sure that you know how 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 can I reel them back in? Like the loss against Ohio State, that reeled you know that gave him. That gave him control. Like, okay, I can reel them back in based on this film. You know, you lose a twenty-point lead in the in the uh, second half. They haven't lost since that game. So, being able to reel them back in, uh, he is the type to just drill, drill, drill. For Izzo, I mean, I uh, my thing is this: when I was, it was uh, two thousand nine, I believe, where someone from the from the Pistons came in. And talked to us. And he said that, you know, championship teams um, they don't get blown out very often. If you look at um, if you look at from that time, uh, if you looked at like the previous history, um, NBA champions, if you looked at their blowout records, um, they weren't getting blown out even if they lost only 25-30 games. They didn't have a lot of blowouts. Yeah. So I think. With Michigan State, you know, they got handled, but it was, you know, the game was pretty much in hand, but it's not like they lost by 30. It felt like 30 based on how the game was, but in real life, you lost by five possessions. Yeah, it's true. You know?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, honestly, that game, Michigan State had a lead at one point early on. Michigan State was tied with, like, two minutes left in the uh, first half, and then it just
3: all went to hell. Just, I mean, you can't, you can't let Doc get to the – half court shot that well that's why
1: you don't take a shot with six seconds left and when, when you you know Izzo said that as was much bad. it's like come on I mean what are you doing that was bad so I mean talk a little bit about the rivalry when you were at the University of Michigan with Michigan State Tom Izzo makes no bones about it he hates Michigan he emphasizes it did John Beeline like ever do anything extra for Michigan State week was it really talked about at all
3: not really um we no I tell people all the time, like, look, when I was there, it was such a transition era type of deal. Um, You had all the sanctions coming in from, like, the late 90s and early 90s. And, um, you know, Michigan didn't go to the tourney for, like, over a decade. Um, So we were in that, like, limbo, like, going from Amaker and then transitioning to the Beeline era. And, you know, the last thing on our minds was, beating Michigan State, beating Ohio State. That was very important to us, but we were more focused on let's get back to the tournament and let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing moving. Um I had, you know, a state troll the other day say you were like 2 and 6 against Michigan State blah blah I'm was like, that first, Mike was
1: it Mike Sterner? Sparty Mike? Uh, I
3: don't know. He hasn't tweeted me in a while. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think he's learned his lesson, but um you know, there is a <laughs> No, he's he was like you were only two and six game Michigan State. I was about to res- respond like I actually was oh for whatever against Michigan State. I never beat <laughs> right, them. Right, right. First of all, get your facts right if you're gonna troll me. Um, never beat them. Uh, beat Ohio State uh, twice, and the first time we beat them, uh, uh, Ron Coleman gave like the, the class of 2006 a hug, like thank you because he was oh for whatever prior to that uh, game. So
1: against both rivals. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: so um, it was such a transition. So it wasn't like a rah 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 beat Michigan State. Um, I really didn't understand what the rivalry was because I was, I'm an East East Coast guy from Virginia, D.C. area. Uh, I hated Duke more than anything else in my life. Uh, I will say Duke is no, number one. Like Redskins are like number two. Uh, then it goes to Michigan State, Ohio State. But uh, I didn't understand what the rivalry was. But um, I definitely did. Um, and I'm learning more and more still to this day because I didn't grow up with it. Um, I had to learn it when I'm like 19 and 20 years old, and by by that time you're 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 almost set in your ways. But um, I'm learning it even more and more to this uh, day. But um, but yeah, I don't like them now. I I think I hate them more now than I did when I when I played because I, I understood the the rivalry a little bit less. But um, I think that's just more so my background personally than anything else.
1: I The thing that annoys me about the rivalry in general is when people are just dishonest on both sides, where you're not willing to give the devil his due, so to speak. I mean, I know Jim Harbaugh has been a little underwhelming, but at the end of the day, he's a hell of a coach. When he was hired, it was a home run hire, and you had Michigan State fans acting like it was nothing. It's like, just be a little bit genuine. Don't be disingenuous. I think a lot on your side of the aisle, it's kind of like, oh, little brother this. It's kind of like, ah, I'd Watch the little brother stuff like until you actually start winning. Right, I, and both sides do it. I mean, I don't think it's like better on one side than the other. I think both fan bases just need to give the devil his due from time to time. Let's talk about Saturday. uh You know, you guys are fourteen and three now. I outpacing expectations, at least mine. When you were in here during the off season before the year, mm-hmm. we were both kind of like, uh ah, you know, maybe a tournament team, and like you were more, a little more confident than I was, but. This teams they look better than I thought they would. They're coming in hot. Obviously, uh, they have a tough game against Purdue. Who knows what will happen before that uh, Michigan michigan State game on Saturday. But how do you feel about Saturday and really just the season in general, how it's going?
3: Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough game. Like I said, I mean, Purdue is number five in the AP right, right now. I think State is four. Um, you know, have, getting Purdue at home is a big, is a huge thing. Um, Michigan is undefeated at home. They lost one neutral and um, and two on the road, one being the Ohio State game. But um, I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game. I think you know, they have more of a chance if they don't if Michigan State goes into that game undefeated in conference play. It's It's gonna be interesting to see what Michigan State does with um, Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers is one of those trash, decent teams. Um, there's like 10 of them in the conference where they're <laughs> yeah, it's super so trash but super dang, dangerous. Like yeah. Penn State, I have Michigan losing to Penn State whenever they, they play because they just – they're so garbage, but they're so okay.
1: Like the Taylor Battle days, like, just <laughs> I, like they were so like frisky with, uh, when Battle was there. Just go go off for like thirty-seven in an upset.
3: It's like they get blown out by like Central, but then like Challenge, like Duke at the I don't know. It's like weird, weird, weird stuff. But um, in that game, I am I'm expecting Michigan State to win by double digits. I think it's going to be a battle in the first half, and I think they're going to start pulling away in the in the second half. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see the Matthews Bridges match matchup. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see what does Jaron Jackson really post up. Doesn't feel like he does. Not enough. I it mean, feels like Jaron Jackson is like a Mo Bamba type, where he doesn't do much except shoot jump jumpers and like. Putbacks.
1: Well, and he had a he had a moment in the game against Ohio State when Michigan State was like down 22 or whatever it was, and he he had not touched the paint for the entire first half, and he finally parked his ass down there mm-hmm. and scored like immediately. I mean, it was just like an easy little turnaround. It's like. He's basically unguardable down there if he's one on one, and he just doesn't go down there. He prefers to be more of like an Antoine Walker kind of. Which who I also love, by the way. He's a beast. I, I loved it. <laughs> and He was divisive. And, and Antoine Walker was very polarizing with his like thirty eight percent field goal percentage, like, despite being six nine. But I loved Antoine That's Walker. My guy. You like Antoine too? Love Antoine Walker. I man. love that you love Antoine Walker. Love guy Antoine just, Walker. Just, like eight threes a game is six nine, but he was he was fun to watch in Boston. But yeah, he just he needs to go in the post. Anymore. It's just—it's yeah. really that simple. He needs to use that size and athleticism a little bit more, but he can shoot. I mean, he's just—he's not well rounded, but he's a raw. I mean, he's like the youngest freshman in, in college basketball, or the second youngest in D one or something. He like just turned eighteen, so he's—he's yeah. he's a kid. What are you gonna do? Oh well, yeah, for sure.
3: Um, it's uh, its gonna be very interesting because of the style of Michigan. Like they play pretty much four guards. Um, MSU is playing basically three bigs. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how Miles handles the pick and roll. It's gonna be interesting to see how Jaron Jackson guards Duncan Rob Robinson. How he guards Livers, because even though those guys are six eight, um, they're very very mobile. They're gonna get up and down the court. They can they can put it on the deck. That they can also shoot it as 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 well too. So um, he's got to be on his p's and p's and q's. So I'm pretty sure when film comes, they're gonna be drilling them more than any other position, is how to handle the three and four on defense.
1: Uh, let's transition to football really quick. Look, I, I know you're more of a basketball guy. You just said on Twitter the other day, it's kind of like, oh, with football I'm sort of dipping my toes in there. And you said something to that effect. You're not as plugged in as basketball. But obviously you pay attention to what's going on with your football program up there in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that to this point I'm not, I'm not shoveling dirt on anybody? But to this point, the Jim Harbaugh hiring
3: has been a flop. Has it been a flop? Um, I don't think it's been a flop. Uh- I think they're paying it them is a lot of money to finish fourth place. Million, nine million is a lot of money, man. I, would, <laughs> I mean, they, 9 it, million, if you're
1: paying them, sorry to interrupt, I'm, I'm sorry, but if they're right. paying them $2.5 million a year, you know, in that sort of 40 or 50 range of uh, the salary rankings, you can go eight and five, nine right. and four, whatever it is. Right. The nine million, that's like 11, 12 win money. Am I wrong?
3: Yeah, no, Uh. No. you're definitely not. Um. Where, it, where it, I've been even killed. On Jim Harbaugh when he got there. Um, I even went to <laughs> kind of trolling Michigan fans. Um, you know, when Harbaugh would do something, everybody was like, ah, why can't basketball do this? I'm like, look, John Beeline has won a Big Ten championship within the last two years. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has not won a Power Five conference championship in his lifetime. So calm down, first of all. But um, I've always been even killed. On Harbaugh, I think what he's doing is um, he's recruiting fine. Um, he is. I, I made jokes about this for like the past couple couple weeks, where um, I'm saying that you know Michigan needs some more guys who get who's who has like a uh, felony record, <laughs> some guys who have some red f- red flags about their some like, more character. roughnecks, Yeah. Yes, like if. If their character is questioned offer them a scholarship I'm like please yeah. just do it like we have a lot of nice soft players right now um i hate to say that but you know it's a lot of lot of uh a lot of catholic school players on that team right now a lot of guys who um a lot of guys who uh are very are very nice nice kids um and When you look at Michigan State, you know, those guys, a lot of those kids had it very, very rough. Like, do you want, you know, the guy who was battling over who gets the last floaty in the pool, or do you want the guy who's fighting over the last sandwich? You know, who's gonna win that battle? I don't I don't care whose star is what. That whatever star that dude is, if he's a one or two star, the guy with the sandwich, he is gonna take the kid with the floaty out every single time. So more players who have that edge to. I'm not saying get a bunch of dudes from like the longest yard. All I'm saying is, you know, you got to get some you got to get some guys where you look at like how did he get in this school? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um some of those uh so many mental so many mental things go on during games where I just don't understand like we're dropping passes and uh, <laughs> Can we just get one quarterback to play just one full year? I would love that. Um, with Shea Patterson coming in, that may change the whole scope of the entire season. Which we've also
1: heard, though, with Peters, and we heard that with Sugar Shane Morris. And I mean, it's like Devin Gardner, Denard Robinson, who was probably the best of the lot. But it seems like Michigan always has like this quarterback who, okay, once he gets in, everything will be great. And I yeah. just, we haven't seen the evidence of that. I mean, and I think. Your fan base, and really it permeates the entire program, seems to propel Michigan State forward in a sense, and maybe they shouldn't have that much control, but they do with the disrespect card. And it's become a meme, it's become a cliche with Antonio, but I do think it matters. And poking a little fun at you, Anthony, you had a tweet, you know, the other day, which I commented on, saying that Michigan's eight and five was like Michigan State's three and nine or something to that effect. Basically, oh, say, I had
3: to do it because I knew people were gonna be mad, and, and I jumped all over that. So I, I, I just swallowed <laughs> the
1: hook on that one. But it's stu- and, and see, you're kind of like a wry smile with this stuff, and that's how you are. And like, I know what you're like. I know what you're doing, and I laugh. I think you you have one of the best Twitter accounts out there, especially for the state of Michigan. Like people, if you're into sports, but I do think there's people that like actually believe that stuff and, and really uh, propagate that. And I, I think it's doing you a disservice as a program. I, I think you're you're feeding your enemy, and Michigan State is your rival and your enemy, whether you admit it or not. You downplay, not you personally, but, I mean, your yeah. fan base downplays it, downplays it, downplays it. Yeah. I mean, don't you think Michigan is at least, just as a program, the fan base, everyone up there is at least a little bit uh, on the hook for uh, the Michigan State success, I mean, as silly as it may sound.
3: I mean, even if it is, I mean, it's – it's sports, I mean, you can't do sports and not talk that stuff, you know Well, what I mean?
1: yeah, you can if you keep losing, though. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm all for t- I'm not that's anti- the thing. Talking I, trash. Talk
3: junk. I talk junk when we're terrible, like just wait until we start winning. Like, oh, I know, I'm terrified. Like, of you. Gonna, you think you're gonna be
1: invited in here when you guys start winning again? <laughs> what well, you see
3: I look under this
1: table for the people that can't uh, see it. I have a a little neon light under the Spiro Avenue uh, radio table here, and it's normally green. And just for your appearance today, I changed it to blue. That's the that's the sort of conciliatory guy that I am. But such a I, nice guy. I, I'm trying. <laughs> Eric didn't even comment the fact that we have blue lighting. on I here. was
2: I'm still in shock. Honestly, I know everything <laughs> be- is green in can here. You believe
1: it? It's all green and white, and then I, I put the blue light just for you. But that's the kind of the fan I am that I'm going to reach my hand out. Michigan, you guys spit in our faces again and again and again. And I'm not I'm not crying about it. I'm saying like if I were hired as a consultant to show up in Ann Arbor and like give them advice which would never happen but if it happened i the first thing i would be would i'd say to them would be to shut up like it, nicely but like you guys got to shut up stop talking because you're just feeding the beast and I, I just i don't see the benefit of that i love it
3: i love it because but what's the benefit because of that, you're though? not enjoying what you're doing you're you're so focused on what we're saying. You're not even enjoying this time of dominance. I'm enjoying the That's wins. That's the great. Not I'm everybody. The wins. People are like so mad because like oh, we're better than you, but you got a better bowl and uh, it's well, those like people are losers. so miserable. There's like ninety percent of people. People out there, trust me, it's it's bad. Oh, I
1: don't disagree. I have oh. plenty of I have plenty of qualms with my own fan base. I oh, believe man. me, I, I think both sides are, are batshit crazy and, oh. and just
3: nuts. Michigan fans are crazy, man. Did They're you, wild. Oh,
1: did you see that tweet the other day? I think you commented on it. Someone was like that Michigan should have been in the college football playoff or something like that. Like, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, one. someone like seriously, a Michigan fan tweeted that out. That uh, not that like that their resume. No, warranted the one. It, but it
3: said that uh, Michigan would beat Georgia. I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was that's like, fun too. And this is why, based three on three what evidence, I definitely
2: like, saw that tweet. Oh, that was definitely gosh. floating around by Michigan You saw face. that too. Yes. I, how did
1: I miss that? Was like, <laughs> is this is Kirby Smart like on the take in this? Hypothetical? I don't think you want
2: to see that. <laughs>
1: The You're doing Yaku yourself a Batoon favor by play? not looking at
2: it. You good? What
1: is wrong with the Charles Woodson playing? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> he's getting
3: his jersey back. Charles has
1: to suit up. Oh my! People are just people are just the worst. Twitter is just like uh, Twitter's just not real life. I have oh, to tell man. myself that Twitter's like fake. Like that, it's just oh. the, the craziest five percent of people. Because if pe- if I really believe that people believe this stuff. I, I wouldn't get through a day. I that's mean, why
3: I, I take a two-month break every year, man.
1: Yeah, well, that's smart. <laughs> and, and you got Ryan McCumber on a month break. You were involved in that. We talked oh, about that last time when cucumber. he's throwing racial comments at
3: you. I mean, that was, oh, my God. I don't even think he understood what he said. And then. Which kind of doesn't make it worse. I mean, it would be worse if it was said with malice.
1: But I, I mean, he, it was, was he called you uppity. Is that what yeah. it was? He called you uppity, right? Just. Ugh. I mean, and
3: somebody you, goes uppity, eh? and then I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, look, I'm not trying to get this guy in trouble.
1: Probably not the but best whatever. idea for a white dude to call a black guy uppity. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I, I don't know. I
3: think I brought it up the other day because he was uh, getting on my nerves. I was like, call me uppity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, <saw> that. <laughs> I know you want to. Just he, do it, he's one time. he's the worst
1: at Twitterest offer. So I mean, back to Harbaugh, <laughs> you're going in the year four. underwhelming results by everyone's admission. What do you need to see for you to say, look, enough's enough. Like, I want him gone. I don't think he'll ever get fired. But, like, for you, Ant right.
3: What, what do you need to see? Eight and five again? Would you say enough's enough at that point? Um, I don't think I would ever really say right now enough's enough. Um, I think um, with the guys, well, once again, he's bringing in, um, you know, there's only a limit, limited number of teams who are bringing in two to three top ten classes every four years. Um, and based on metrics, there's like maybe one, maybe two teams over the past 20, 21 years who have won the national championship without two or three top 10 classes. Uh, Michigan has that. Um, it's a very small pool of teams, like between 10 and 12 teams, no, like, eight, like around 10 teams have that where they have two to three top 10 recruiting classes um, within a four-year span. Um, Michigan has that. I think his issue this year was um, the offense. Like the offense couldn't move the ball, couldn't get a first first down. And I'm one of those people who think that um, if Peters played against Michigan State, think Michigan wins. There's no way that that's, Michigan is. That's,
1: that's a cute opinion.
3: Michigan is net. Michigan was negative that's, five that's, that's, turnovers, uh, yeah. and they still could have won the game. That's yeah. how. That is how. That is how that game – it was 14-10. to There were five turnovers. Michigan State had zero, and Michigan still had a drive to win the game. Like, that's how much better they were. Um, I'm not saying D'Antonio outcoaches Harbaugh almost every year. I'll say that much. Um, D'Antonio outcoaches Harbaugh. He gets his guys ready to play when they play Michigan. Um, All the little things D'Antonio takes care of. That's why they win. That's why they keep beating Michigan. That's why they keep beating Jim. The little things are being taken care of. Jim takes care of the bigger things, but what's the point of having all these steel bars, nothing to put it all together? Um, That's where he loses the, the, the games. He has not beaten a team when he's the underdog. You know, he's not won, like, he's won one big game. That was Wisconsin last year, um, a team who couldn't score. I mean, come on, man. Um,
1: yeah, what's the status? An underdog, I think, since he's been there, they're like 0-8 or something, 0-7. He and is 0-fer.
3: He's 0 Yeah, he's
1: 0-7, yeah, whatever it is. I think he's it's 0-6 or 0-7. Like, win a winner.
3: game you're not supposed to. That's why people love Beeline, because he can win games where he is an underdog. You know, that's where coaching comes in. When yes. you have
1: the lesser talent yes. and you outperform expectations, then you look at Antonio's record as an underdog. The last, I think, five years it was like ten and eight or something. I mean, ten and nine. He had like a winning record as right. an underdog. Something which crazy. is just insane.
3: It's wild, wild. I mean, you look if you Ohio winning, State, yeah, Ohio State's like five hundred against like the number one team. Like uh, or they're like nine and eleven or something something crazy which is nuts it's crazy if you win like one
1: out of three in that situation you're thrilled yes exactly maybe not if you're Ohio State but for the average program
3: so I don't know I mean he's losing games he shouldn't lose and then you can't win games that you shouldn't win like that's that's when the program changes. Is when you win the games that you have no business winning.
1: If this Patterson guy is eligible and you know is even decent, I'm telling you right now, if Michigan had a B minus quarterback this past year, they could have been in the college football playoff. Uh, I don't mean, know. I don't think so. They,
3: I, I don't think they'd be Penn State. I don't think they'd be all, Ohio State.
1: The Penn State game was a mess, but I'm telling you that team, they would have at least gone ten even, and two. They would have gone ten with, and two. Even
3: Wisconsin. They're... I think they will on nine and nine and three. I'll Ugh, give them that.
1: They were, they are one quarterback away from being very good. I mean, that was offensive the,
3: line too. Their offensive it, line is like Swiss, yeah, that's, that's, cheese.
1: Man. That's fair, but they had no quarterback play whatsoever, and that's, I mean, that's like, you know, it's like saying oh, this car would be great with no engine. I mean, it, yeah. you know, if it if it had an engine, I mean, it's like you can't, you need the quarterback. So yeah. it's it's not like oh, we need a D back. I mean, that's like a huge hole but if they fill it and again you don't you don't need Andrew Luck. You don't need uh, you know a Heisman caliber quarterback, just like a solid quarterback in there. I, I think they can go a long way. So I'm not out on Harbaugh. I was the one that said when I hired him I thought he would win national championships like Portal at Michigan. Mm. Uh, I may be walking that back a little bit, but I think he can still win very big there, so I'm not writing him off, so we'll see. He needs the right staff around him, man. Well, what, what, do, what more do you want? They have 11 Pep million. Pep Hamilton
3: and Drevno, and Drev, Drev, man. It was, they was $11 million oh on gosh. their
1: offensive staff. If you you could have,
3: you, we have, oh my gosh, those sound bites from the, from the South Carolina team after that game, the bowl game. They knew every play that Michigan was running after the second series.
1: I'm not surprised. You know. uh, the, Michigan's offensive play calling all year and every game I watched, which was maybe six or seven, right. it was like playing uh, an 11 year old in Madden when you were growing up, <laughs> where they would call like the same like eight, seven or eight plays like right. over and over again, and you <laughs> saw that formation, and it's like, all right, slide over the D line, and call. <laughs> it's just like, uh, for 11 million dollars invested in that offensive side of the ball, just with their staff again, including Harbaugh. I, I mean the so so-called quarterback whisperer. It's been underwhelming, but yeah.
3: the wide receivers they are very very talented. You have Nico Collins. You have uh, Tarek Black coming back. You have DPJ coming back, um, and they had a grad assistant coaching them, um, so they couldn't get open. They didn't know the little nuances, the little tricks of the trade. So. Um, if, they make, if they've already made made one, I don't know. But if they can make a move where they move around pieces and get them a wide receiver coach as well, too, I think that will help the quarterbacks because receivers just weren't getting open, let alone having a quarterback to get them the, the ball. They weren't getting open, so that's just a catastrophe.
1: So. Well, apparently they're tweaking the staff. I know uh, my former uh, cohort Jeff Moss at the Detroit Sports Rag had an article, and he, he's really good with his Michigan sources. Uh, he had Harbaugh coming to Michigan in the first place when it was like considered ludicrous. Right. He said that they're having like a massive offensive staff shakeup this yeah. year. Um, he doesn't know all the details they of that, got but he knows. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, Harbaugh yeah, was at Michigan State, right? Michigan State quarterback, and he was a he was a, like he played Michigan State quarterback. That's weird. And uh, he was Michigan State's running backs coach before Central plucked him. That's so really weird. terrible head coach, good positional coach. It is odd. Yeah, I mean, a Player and coach for Michigan State, but yeah. it can happen. But anyway, we're Money gonna ra- we're gonna Money wrap talks. up. We're gonna let you get home uh, and watch the national championship game in football. Um, oh, I forgot that I was even. Yeah, home, it's, it just kicked off, so you'll be good. I got to read, anyways. So there you go. So, uh, thank you again, uh, again on Twitter. It's at it's ant right. One of our favorite guests here, Anthony. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we'll have you back hopefully soon.
3: Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. These are the things we like very much.
1: It is now time for Things I Like, one of our favorite segments on the Spiro Avenue podcast, because this show is about 87% bitching about stuff and 13% that we squeeze in so we don't blow our brains out. Eric is the conscience of the show. He's also talking me off the ledge often here. And this segment is built in to help maintain my sanity. So let's talk a little bit about this. ESPN is interviewing LeVar Ball overseas. It's one of the top stories in the news right now. He says that the Lakers have tuned out Coach Luke Walton. There's this huge media outcry. And what happens? Rick Carlisle, who's the head of the Coaches Association, gets in front of the mic and just absolutely bombs ESPN. And the key with this show that we always try to offer is discernment. So, not every, you know, taking everything always on the surface for exactly as it seems. So, you have a lot of people coming out and defending ESPN, saying, you know, oh, it's their right to report on LeVar Ball. They don't owe any duty to the coaching, you know, ranks in the NBA. All, all that's true. All that commentary is spot on. And I'll, I venture to guess that Rick Carlisle understands that. But Rick Carlisle's job is to protect coaches' interests, so of course he's going to come out and, and rip this whole LeVar Ball storyline. And where it comes to what I like is when Stan Van Gundy chimed in on the same issue, and he said, "quote." I have no problem with LeVar Ball. I have a problem with ESPN deciding that this is a story. So basically echoing Rick Carlisle's comments, let's play Carlisle's comments first, and then we'll get a little bit more into Stan Van Gundy.
2: Printing an article where the father of an NBA player um, has an opinion that is is printed as as anything like legitimate um, erodes trust. It erodes the trust that we have built with ESPN, and our coaches are upset because uh, Luke Walton does not deserve that. You know, two years ago, he took a he took a veteran team um, and led them to 24 wins in a row, which is an amazing accomplishment. And off of that, uh, you know, he earned the Laker job. And uh, to have to deal with these these kinds of ignorant distractions, um, you know, is, is deplorable.
1: So there's Carlisle's thoughts, and that was echoed by uh, a few coaches in the NBA. And of course, Stan Van Gundy, never one to hold back, Uh, had his own comments. We tried to find the audio; it's nowhere out there. So we'll just read the quote. Stan Van Gundy says, "quote I'm not meeting with ESPN's announcing crew before the game. I'm not going to do the in-game interview. I'm not going to participate in the thing." So they end up basically, Stan Van Gundy gets in front of the mic and says he's going to block ESPN special access, you know, where they mic up the coach for timeouts. And he obviously has his CBA mandated media obligations, but he's going to go. Uh, zero inches above and beyond the call of what the CBA calls for out of him Uh, when pressed if Stan Van Gundy meant that he was threatening to withhold access Van Gundy said quote I'm not denying them access I'm not kicking them out of the press conferences if they want extra stuff from us they're not going to treat an NBA coach with at least a little respect well then I'm not going to give them extra access so this is uh, Stan Van Gundy saying he will do the absolute bare minimum required of him and I'll tell you why I like this I like that Stan Van Gundy is doing the smart thing for his coaching brethren. I mean, I I am of the belief that ESPN, again, I think the criticism of the coaching ranks coming out with this is legit. I think ESPN does have a right to do what they want with LeVar Ball. I don't think they owe a duty to the coaches. But you do have to remember that this is a partnership that ESPN has with the NBA and by extension the coaches in the NBA. So although ESPN does have the right to pump out LeVar Ball as much as they want, they are an entertainment entity, and frankly LeVar Ball gets more clicks than a a breakdown of shot charts in the third quarter of road games in December. I mean, it's just a more interesting topic for people. At the end of the day, again, this is a partnership. So even though ESPN has the right to pimp our Ball and the discretion to do so, you have to understand that there is a price to pay. When you have a partner in business and life, whatever it is, there's a lot of things you have the right to do, you know, but you may not necessarily want to do it because it will alienate your partner. So that's exactly what's happening here. So, sure, ESPN has the right to do whatever they want to do with LeVar Ball and pump this out. And he's basically, LeVar Ball is a, a creation of ESPN to a large degree. I do think he's very interesting, but ESPN has been his best friend in promoting him. There is a price to pay, and I do give Stan and Gundy credit. I, I I see both sides. I have no problem with what Levar, LeVar Ball said. I have no problem with ESPN having loyalty only to, to their ratings, and I have no problem with Sam Van Gundy standing up for his coaching staff. So the reason why I threw Van Gundy in here today is because there are a lot of people saying, hey, coaches, shut up. ESPN is a media entity. They're going to do their job. I have no problem with a guy standing up for his side of the, the aisle here.
2: Yeah, and the only thing I have a problem with, and I love Lavar Ball. I love everything about this dude. You know, I'm all if, I, if Big Baller brand was the TJ Maxx, I'd be all for it. I got but two
1: Big Baller brand shirts upstairs, actually. So. How
2: much you want for them? We'll talk about that later. Yeah, but anyway, I'll look, look than me, I'm yeah. a, that's true. I'm yeah. a, I'm a big LeVar Ball fan, but I don't like – like people always, they keep put, pushing this narrative that LeVar's putting too much pressure on his son, this, that, and the third. I don't believe any of that. People have – you know, he already has the number two pick, the pressure being a number two pick, being the new face of the Lakers that's pretty much replacing Kobe Bryant, one of the best of all time. But what I don't like that LeVar Ball did, I mean, he went out and said that, you know, his team – I didn't like his shot at um, – at Luke Walton. I think it was kind of out of bounds. I think when you say something like that, people assume that that could be coming from another source as well. So when people hear that coming from LeVar, it's not a stretch to assume his teammates could be thinking the same thing. Like, oh, he's having these uh, one-on-one conversations with his dad. Maybe the LA's coming off of a loss. He goes home and have these kind of combos with him. Teammates could be looking at him sideways, thinking about things like that. So, while I do love the outspoken nature of LeVar Ball, look, I'm a black man. Every black family got a LeVar Ball in their family. That is a fact. Like, I'm all the way cool with LeVar Ball. But I think sometimes, especially the shots that you coach, you're setting yourself, you're setting your son up for, again, I'm not, I don't care about the competition. Oh, he's. Players are going to want to go harder and play harder against him. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't care about that. But when it comes to an issue in the locker room, and you got guys who could be having an issue with him, based on you know outside views in the locker room that could leak in that's when it becomes an issue. And I think that's what he's promoting right here.
1: And they, I was listening to Colin Coward today, and he had a good point about this, that the criticism of ESPN pumping out our Ball, I, I'm, I argue that he was basically created by ESPN to a large degree. I mean, he's his own guy, but they were the vehicle that drove him. But it, you look at when Archie Manning has ever gone on the record with anything, Peyton and Eli's father, the media jumps all over it. He Coward was saying, you know, Tom Brady's dad has spoken out, you know, four or five times in the past few years, every time it leads ESPN. So frankly, if, if someone's father says something, a prominent player, which Lonzo Ball is, a prominent player's father says something, ESPN's going to cover it. It's Absolutely. not a unique Lonzo Ball, LeVar Ball situation. Uh, you know, I don't like everything that LeVar Ball does. I, For the same reason you just said, I don't like what he did here with Luke Walton. I don't think the move that he made with his kids, uh, backing them out of UCLA was yeah, very that, wise for that them. Yeah, I a mean, fan of that either. I mean, you're overseas playing ball. I'd rather be at UCLA Picking um, his
2: kid, taking his, made his uh, team, quit in the AAU game because yeah, he thought the refs stuff were. Like that. The, he, I mean, he's definitely done some things I don't like, but the the general persona of what he's trying to accomplish, I am for it.
1: I do think he's funny. I'll give him absolutely. that. He's, I mean, the, the whole thing with President Trump was absolutely hilarious. Classic. Like, Classic. Absolute, his like,
2: his rise his rise to fame in twenty seventeen was second to none. It's
1: just an A plus troll job. Absolutely. That interview with Chris Cuomo was one of the funniest things I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> as, far as just like, hey, he didn't call me. Yep, I, I don't know. How do i know what he did I'm, like.
2: a, I'm a wrestling fan i was watching this wwe raw appearance he took, too he took his shirt off yeah man. he hops in there. man lavar is lavar is, is quite the character that we i think we've needed like i said this isn't anything new but it's definitely uh, promoted some great conversation
1: oh he's interesting you gotta give him that he's nothing but uh, he's nothing if not interesting i should say about lavar ball so anyway i like what van gundy did not because i even agree with him but for the same uh, reason i said about carlisle These guys don't even necessarily believe the stance they're taking, but it's the right thing to do. I mean, you have to take that stand for your your coaching brethren. So it was the right thing to do, and I liked it. It's Stan Van Gundy, as usual, doing the right thing. Uh, He's really plugged in with how to manipulate uh, the the media and how to play things the right way. I I always find myself impressed by Van Gundy. And this is where things get sad. We now transition to dum-dum-dum, things I do not like.
3: These are the things we don't like at all. Not one bit.
1: What a shock. The things I don't like this week, uh, leading with Andre Drummond, the guy who's made my Twitter profile for the last several months. I refuse to buy into the Pistons until Andre Drummond is gone. I don't buy them as anything other than a total pretender in the East, let alone the NBA. And this week, let's talk Andre Drummond's latest foibles, Eric, okay? I know you know where this is going. The Pistons, a couple nights ago, are getting absolutely destroyed by the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly. They are down 30 points in the third quarter. Andre Drummond gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line. Everyone's heckling on boo-boo-boo. Nothing special. I mean, what you always get in road arenas at the free throw line. He hits both, which is, you know, I guess this year not as shocking as it would be in other years. Hits both free throws. And what does this dolt do? He shushes the crowd, puts his finger to his mouth, and is, like, taunting the crowd, telling him to shut up. Down 30 points. Listen to the highlight of this embarrassment. Look at this cheese. Andre Drummond is going to shush the crowd, even though his team is down by 30 points. (laughs) Give that guy a manual. What are you doing? And he was laughing about it too. Funny win for the 76ers. It's just that's what losers do. I'm sorry. That is that is what a loser does. And this same crap. It's from the Ricky Davis, Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, Nick Young, Swaggy P. Cloth. It's just immature, childish crap, and if it's like the third or fourth best player on your team that's kind of a jackass, it's okay. Rasheed Wallace was kind of a jackass, but he was not far and away the most important player on the Pistons when they won. You can get away with your third or fourth banana being kind of an idiot and uh, sort of going off the rails. Not when it's your franchise guy that you're building the team around. It's the most Embarrassing thing I've seen in this town since Roy Williams, the former Lions receiver, would signal first, first down. down. He he would say he would throw his arm out. It, the, the Lions would be getting bombed. They'd be down by four touchdowns against some mediocre team, and he would get a, a first down on like a meaningless third and seven. He'd get eight and a half yards. He would pop up and taunt with the first down sign with his arm. It's just, I mean, he, you remember he, he was notorious oh, for that.
2: I loved Roy Williams until he did that. Well, that yeah, I, I, I was it. a I actually huge Roy fan. But, yeah, we literally just talked about this last week. You Sometimes you want to see athletes – First of all, be self-aware of the moment. Dude, you're down 30 points. What the hell are you shushing the crowd for? It's a bad look. You're getting abused by Embiid again. Joel Embiid might be, I think, the best center in basketball. And he's abusing you again. Dre, you finished with 10 points. You're not doing anything productive. And then to go down, like I said, we were just talking about this last week. Show that you care a little bit more about you shooting. Like, you should be proud of your free throws. You definitely made improvements in that aspect. You're down 30 points, and the most you care about right now, you saw him right after that. He was, like, laughing and yucking it up on the bench when the game was over. It, it, it just gives a bad impression, in, you know, in the in the eyes of the of the outside.
1: It's just know, a like bad business. look, and you think of guys that have been franchise players for NBA champions. I mean, LeBron James comes to mind. Not that LeBron's never had like a goofy moment in his life, but find me the tape. Or find me the article talking about the incident where LeBron James was down 20, 30 points in a game and was like goofing around. I mean, the guy looks like he wants to murder everyone when he's down. Kobe Bryant was the same thing, almost like to a more extreme extent you would never see kobe shushing the crowd when he was getting bombed you what,
2: just wouldn't see it what would you what would you imagine a rookie did that for greg popovich
1: oh my god
2: He's cut the next game
1: oh if a rookie did it <laughs> especially but pop pop would go off on anybody Absolutely. doing that, but especially a rookie doing it but that's just and that stuff's like allowed to fly like if i'm van gundy i didn't see if he said anything to him but if i'm van gundy i would be like what are you doing i mean just you can't really yell that much at a a guy that makes like 20 times your salary. It's just the NBA doesn't really work that way. It's not like – it's not varsity blues, high school football. But you got to be like, what what are you doing, man? And
2: SVG used to – well, not used to be. He still is that kind of coach. You know, you see him getting on guys like Luke Kennard, Stanley Johnson. But this is still a very young team. I was really worried about that when the growing stages went early in SVG's coaching years of the Pistons because you don't see – it's it's troublesome to see a harsh coach come down on kids when they're not playing or behaving how they should be. Something like this, you need to get in his ass. That's not acceptable in any stretch of the imagination. You don't shush the crowd or act like you have some leg up when you're down thirty points. You're getting your ass kicked. Act like it.
1: Well, uh, it, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I it's just it's just just show some. I don't know. I don't really know where to go from that. Just. I just,
1: it would be bad if anybody did it, but it's, yeah. it's especially bad when you're the franchise player. You're ostensibly the tone setter. That, that's why this organization will never win anything of significance with this guy as the franchise player, because he sets the tone, and the tone is, is lackadaisical. It's, you know, we can be engaged one night and then not the other. We'll disappear in this fourth quarter. Maybe we'll show up for this one. It's just everything is kind of willy-nilly, and everyone has always misinterpreted my Andre Drummond commentary as me saying, like, he sucks or something. He's a good player. I'm not saying Andre Drummond's a terrible player. He's a good player. He's a very good player, I would even venture to to say but he's not the guy that i want as my franchise guy and that's exactly why that kind of crap it says a lot about him and you can make a big fuss about his free throw improvements he is still exactly what he's always been and that is a a petulant guy that is never going to fall in line and never carry the banner uh to a championship and i thought it was embarrassing that you had the 76ers broadcast team ripping on him after that happened in that game and we have that audio too let's play that
3: Drummond tried to tell the crowd to be quiet after he made both of his free throws. I guess he figures being down 30 but making two free throws is enough of an accomplishment.
1: So it's nice that Andre Drummond bringing shame and embarrassment upon his home himself and the entire city of Detroit. It's just it's just the same with this guy. We could do this every week. He's he embarrasses me as a Piston fan at least like twice a month i mean that's just how it is so you're never going to win a title with that guy as your franchise guy uh the broadcast team in philly had a lot of fun at our expense so i don't know i, I i'm done with this guy at least for this week and i'm sure he'll do something to get me going next week
2: we'll see if we go three for three so far things i don't like has been two for two canard And now Dre. So we'll we'll see what we get next week. I'm going to try to bring up something
1: other than the Pistons because I think they're one of the more depressing teams in town. Because, like, even though they're maybe the best team in town, I guess, like record-winning percentage-wise, there's just, like, no hope at all. Like, the Wings are so bad that I don't care. Like, the Pistons are good enough where like you feel like you kind of have to pay at least a little bit of attention, but they're just they're in purgatory. You talked about all the reasons they were in purgatory last week. So
2: like I, I love the Pistons, but you're not gonna make a night out. if you're a casual basketball fan. You're not making a night out to go watch Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. You're just not doing. No, it.
1: It. it's a bunch of like B minus B B minus players. Like right. they're not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not like a bad team, but there's no marquee talent there. There's no like posi- like the o4 team had some you know uh, lacking skills at. To- the very top like they didn't have a top 15 player in the league on that team but like they were really likable it's just they were more like bb plus these guys are more like bb minus it's just right it, you, had
2: the, you had the least had ben wallace who was the best rim protector in basketball right. you had Sheed. Chauncey was one of the best point guards in the league so that kind of stuff can pass not pass that you should never shush the crowd when you're down 30 no. but you could get away with some things when you're consistent Andre's Andre's game has not grown his entire career you look at his stat line it's gonna look the exact same from when he was a rookie to right now it well has that's not a little changed.
1: hyperbolic he's been a little better I a mean little right yeah, that's the
2: thing he should outside of his passing and his free throw shooting this year, what has he d- really gotten better at? Well,
1: I know I, I'm not as well-versed in defensive metrics as some are. I, I have read a few convincing articles that he's been a lot better defensively. Still underwhelming, but a lot better. I mean, people don't realize how bad he's been defensively in his career. I mean, he's been to the point where he's a liability, which is unacceptable given his size and skill. But, um, yeah, he has been. I mean, I'm the biggest drumming hater in the world. He has gotten better. Uh, but not better enough. And between the ears, I mean, I uh, almost no better. He's still, I, you watch, this team will make the playoffs. He will be pouting at the end of a playoff loss. I guarantee it, we will revisit this clip in a few months. He's going to be pouting, sulking on the bench at the end of a loss because they're going to have to pull him out or he's going to foul out. He's going to have some type of a mini tantrum because that's what this guy does. I'm not a fan. I'm sure we'll talk about all the reasons why I don't like him again next week. We're going to try to take a week off, Eric.
2: In case you guys haven't... He's not a fan. I am not a fan. He's not a fan of Andre Drummond
1: is in our intro song for the fact that I don't like him. So anyway, that's been another rousing episode of the Spiro Avenue podcast. Eric Vincent, our producer. Thanks again to Anthony Wright for joining us in studio for his second visit. We, We will be back next week. Our next show is very exciting. We have My good friend, Jack Johnson, NHL defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets, will be in studio visiting me in Michigan during the NHL's bye week. He is the highest-drafted Michigan hockey player in the history of that storied program. Uh, Great guy, and uh, we've had him on the the show once as a call-in. This will be his first visit to the studio. We're very excited for that. So uh, that is a wrap for Episode 15 of the Spiro Avenue Podcast. Join us next week. Thank you again to Eric
3: and Anthony. Thank you for listening to the Spiro Avenue podcast. Follow Justin on Twitter at Darko State News.